listener production. Hi there, I'm Sasha Barbagat here for this bonus episode of The Briefing. On Thursday, we brought you a story about AI in dating apps, how it's enhancing match compatibility and safety, how it could save you time and effort searching for relationships in the future, and why it's important that proper safety measures are built in. In that story, we heard from Professor Joel Pearson, psychologist, neuroscientist, and the director of the Future Minds Lab at the University of New South Wales. He gave us predictions about the role artificial intelligence will play in our love lives in the coming years, and it was fascinating. So here is listener journalist Michaela Savage's full chat with Professor Joel Pearson. Hi, Joel. Thanks so much for joining us on The Briefing. Whether it's in alternating order of the photos on your profile or safety features that can blur out nudes before the recipient opens the message... It seems that dating apps are already using AI, but do you think we're going to see the extent of these features and the use of AI in dating apps in the near future? Yeah, I mean, we're going to see AI used basically everywhere at some stage, right? That's fairly inevitable. Anything with this digital, we're going to see AI playing a large role in that um, more and more as time goes on. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're the obvious thing. So you, if you have large data sets and you have written information, text, and you have photos and you also have how people interact with those, so their behavior, what they click on. That's beautiful training data, right? So you can train uh, any AI fairly easily on those data and f- and then you use that to feedback and as an advice or a sort of profile coach, if you like, to help augment people and help them along in, in, in arranging their profile, their pictures, the, the background. So that's all, that's happening now, I think, right? So it's, it's, it's fairly straightforward. Then there's the safety measures on there. Then I think, yeah, the, the new level of where it's actually behavioral coaching is really interesting, like the Bumble is talking about implementing. So, you know, people might be, you know, nervous about the first date or how to, you know, what to say, what's an icebreaker, right? And so having a coach that can help you with that is really interesting. And there's going to be a fine line between just getting my AI to do the, the initial chats, right? First is an interesting concept. So maybe we're going to see in the not too distant future that my AI is just going to talk to your AI and they're going to see if we're a match rather than us actually having to talk or type or any interaction, which is both interesting but also a little bit kind of strange and scary, I think. I think that sounds super bizarre. I don't personally, I don't think if I went on a dating app, I'd like my AI to talk to somebody else's AI. You're going to lose that sort of human connection, surely. Yeah, but as a first stage, I mean, we're going to have personal AI assistants pretty soon doing things for us, tracking what we do, what we say, what we eat, you name it, it's going to do it for us. And so it's only one step further to have my AI assistant talk to yours or to anyone else's. And that's, if you think about it, really, it's just amazing filtering. So if that can save me time and effort, I don't have to go through awkward conversations or... So that, that's where it is. It's, it's really a filtering thing and it's it's finding better matches for me whether that's my AI or the dating app's AI or both, maybe the, the dating app AI sits in the middle there somehow. I think that's the way it's going to go, but it should be a good thing. What we have to be careful of and what I'm really interested in is that these AIs don't lead to sort of negative consequences psychologically to us, right? We have all these cognitive biases and it's very easy to give an AI a specific goal, right? And the classic example we have of this already is on social media platforms where the goal for the AIs, the algorithms, is to keep people engaged and keep them on the platform for longer. So 
advertising revenue goes up, right? And what we saw and what we're seeing now is that if people are getting uh, angry, they're getting engaged, they're getting angry, they're getting anxious and depressed, that will keep them on some of these platforms for longer. So the alignment thing there, right, with this narrow goal given to the AI, where there's actually this external and negative consequence to humans, we have to be very careful with that kind of thing every time we're giving an AI any specific task or goal, because there probably will be negative consequences. And if we don't build those in and some safety mechanism psychologically in terms of mental health, then it may just push towards its goal, ignoring those negatives. Yeah. Well, I mean, what sort of safety features in this sense do you think the dating apps need to make sure that they build into any AI features that they're using on their apps? Well, there's so a cognitive bias is something that we all have. And we have hundreds of different cognitive biases, right? Loss aversion through to, you know, many other things. And so an AI will very quickly learn where one person is more vulnerable to this or to that. And so your AI could try and manipulate me if I don't have an AI to filter or vice versa. If I think, oh, I, I want to see that person, I want to go on a date, I can get my AI to manipulate that person. So if I give my right my AI the goal of, at any cost, <laughs> get a date with this person, then it's going to use whatever means it can, unless I add in all these extra safety parameters. So that's the kind of thing I'm thinking about where it will learn very quickly. Mentioning certain things might make the other person feel vulnerable or triggered, and therefore they they may be more likely to say yes or more likely to do whatever. That's the kind of thing I'm thinking about where you're actually very subtly manipulated. How far into the future do you think these sorts of applications are? Is it something that we really need to be thinking about now? I think we've already seen this playing out for the last you know, five, six years on social media or even longer, and I think it's here now. That's one of the things, my pet peeves and things that frustrates me is that the, the large AI discussion, it focuses on the extinction thing and that AI is going to wipe out humanity or the ethics, but there's not much conversation specifically on psychology and the psychology around AI. And that's where I think we need to push the conversation, both in terms so that people can be wary and start thinking about these issues and and try and think about what it might feel like to be manipulated from everything, like I said, with with through text and voice, but also deep fakes. We're going to have a huge proliferation of deep fake uh, photos and videos that are already coming online now. I mean, most of deep fakes, 90% is pornography at this stage, but we're going to see all kinds of deep fakes. And we know from psychological research that when you hear something or see someone say something, it will change your opinion of them, even when you're told it's a fake. Right. So it's not just cybersecurity and saying, oh, this, we detected this, the watermark issue. This was a fake. Ignore it. Once you've seen it, it changes your memory. It changes your opinion of that person forever. And so you can't erase it from your mind. So that's an example of where these things could be dangerous. So, yeah, I'm sort of on a mission to try and push the conversation to the psychological vulnerabilities we have around the AI conversation. Yeah, that's a really good point about AI and this psychology angle, do you think this is something we really should be addressing more? Yeah, I just I just don't see anyone talking about it at this stage. Like everything from the kind of scams we're starting to see now through to the way we understand our own identity is going to take a massive hit from deep fakes. And, you know, in the next two years, AIs are going to be able to create videos from scratch, let alone doing the deep fake thing we're doing at the moment. I could ask my AI in two years to make 10 videos of me interviewing whoever's president of the US then uh, and render that and put it online. And then I could say, oh, no, change those videos, make me sound smarter. 
But think of everyone doing that, everyone creating versions of other people. How do we police that? And there's technological solutions, but no one's talking about the psychological effects and psychological solutions. Because like I said, once you see some of this fake synthetic media, it changes our long-term memory, it changes our opinions of people. And we don't really know how that's going to play out at scale when people are seeing these things all the time, which is going to happen in the next two years. And I guess going back to AI and dating more specifically, do you think that there's the potential for this tech to be monetized and give more of an advantage to only those who can afford it? Or will they keep this sort of thing free for all to use? It depends on the economic model and how it plays out. So we're seeing like an arms race with the AI platforms at the moment, right? Everyone's trying to rush as fast as they can to to gain customers and gain market domination. So it could play out like that with the, the dating apps. I mean, there's a funny sort of, not a conflict of interest, but so if a dating app is really successful, well, I could just get on there and in one day find my perfect match. I'm introduced to them the next day. Technically, I can get off the app and my time there is done, right? So the better they get, the more efficient they actually become, I need to use them less. And so it's a weird conflict. So, And so that's where alignment of priorities becomes interesting. Do they actually want me to be on the app for longer and be more reliable on them, which means that maybe it means them doing their job less efficiently. So there's a there's an interesting weird and twist of the business model there. So yeah, it will depend how they decide to unroll that, whether it's like a premium version for, you know, that is super concierge for the wealthy uh, and no one else gets it. Everyone else gets it like, like a sort of a cutback version. Yeah, I don't know. So I came across what Whitney Wolf heard the Bumble founder was saying, that people are not so much having that one partner anymore. People do have multiple partners. So I guess if that's their business model, it's not that you use this out for three days and then you delete it because you found the one. And then does that change how they do these sorts of things? Their business won't work if people have to stay on what using the app for six months, right? But if people use the app for 24 hours, their business won't work either. So maybe they want to find matches that work for the medium short term, right? So a relationship works for a month or two and then then we then you break up or something. So without telling us, they could optimize their algorithms, their AIs for something like that, for short-term success, but not long-term success, which would be kind of sneaky. But you can see how the alignment of their business model with the human outcomes could be slightly misaligned there. So that's the kind of thing we need to watch out for. If you're scrolling on a dating app, whichever one, Bumble, Tinder, Hinge, are there signs that you can look out for to sort of recognize whether AI might have been used in a profile? Like thinking things like maybe deep fakes or there are heaps of AI generated images. I know there are websites that are like designed for you to feed them photos of you and then they'll spit out, you know, the perfect photo of you back (laughs) at like a beach or a park or whatever you want. And And it's designed so that you can put that on your dating profile and be super compatible with whoever you want to be with. How can you be safe on a dating platform when there's all of these AI developments happening? Yeah. I mean, with with video, it's still easier to detect because you tend to see like blurriness on the edge of things, particularly around the edge of the face. Uh, and so the things, if you look very carefully, things aren't quite right. I think in for still photos, things are much better and they're harder to detect. Uh, I know some platforms are putting sort of embedding watermarks into their images, but not all platforms will do that. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm sort of talking about this idea of psychological security. How can we build defense mechanisms up so we are immune to things like that? What would a training program look like where you train humans to detect like fake photos, deep fake videos, or or being manipulated with text and voice? And we don't have anything like that at the moment. So we're looking into that, but we haven't got that yet. 
Yeah, right. What would be your message to people who might be a bit apprehensive about the idea of AI being involved in their love lives? Would you say, you know, we should embrace it or we should be cautious or a bit of both maybe? I think a bit of both. I think it is coming uh, as it's coming everywhere in most of our lives if you're you're using technology and digital stuff. So I think embrace it, use it, try and understand it. So if you're going to use it, try and understand what it's doing and where it might be uh, acting. What we haven't actually talked about is uh, AI-human relationships. Human-to-human dating apps might bring that into their business model as well. So you may have heard of Replica is probably the most famous version of this, which is a service where you can have relationships with AI avatars and they get to know you and people really start to form long-term relationships, um, loving and sexual and in all kinds of relationships. And there was this famous case early this year when they changed the algorithm, they tweaked things to actually pull back, make it slightly less sexual. And people got really upset and got depressed and hurt and said it was like losing a loved one. And so there's a whole space there of human AI relationships and how that maps on to the human to human dating and relationships is really interesting and and, and largely unknown. So there are some influencers and celebrities which have made digital versions, versions of themselves already. So you can interact, you can pay and interact with the digital version of an influencer, for example, and that's a pay for use service. So you can think about that as, do I create a digital version of myself? And then you can try out dating the digital version of me. Maybe that's a way to filter. So can I license out a digital version of myself to someone could date or be in a relationship with an AI version of famous people, for example? There's all kinds of sort of gray areas between the human AI, human to human, and how they're going to interact, play out. What will the effects be of interacting with AIs to interacting with humans be? In other words, if I, if I fall in love with an AI versus treat them horribly like a slave, how will that affect how I treat other humans? And we just don't know yet. It's too early. Yeah, it really sounds like there's there's going to be a lot of change in the near future in the the dating AI space, no matter which way you look at it. Is there anything else that concerns you about the AI industry more generally speaking? So one of the things that bugs me is that the media keeps asking the tech CEOs, the AI CEOs to make predictions about how the AI is going to affect society, right? And so one, how would they know? How the hell would they know? They don't know such things. And two, even when it comes to the specifics of their AIs, they've got it terribly wrong, right? Their predictions have been straight out wrong, right? There's been all kinds of surprises with AIs, what they can do, the capabilities are much more than even the tech people building them have predicted. So I think we just need to be careful when we ask for advice from the tech people, because it's not a tech issue. It's a psychology issue. It's a human to human issue. It's human behavior we're talking about, how this is going to affect us and society. So when it comes to dating apps and AI and AI agents, um, yeah, I think we should talk to people who study human behavior rather than engineers or tech CEOs. That was listeners Michaela Savage there chatting with Professor Joel Pearson from the Future Minds Lab at the University of New South Wales. We hope you enjoyed it. Tom and the team will be back in your feeds tomorrow morning at six. 